0: Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope, a podcast about business,
1: well-being and chocolate. Hello and welcome to Hope and Patience. It's me, Amelia Rope, ex-chocolate creator, now podcast creator and your host. If you're new to Hope and Patience, it's great to have you here. A huge hello and thank you. We're going to be exploring, delving into the stories of founders and dipping into piles of wisdom from well-being experts. It's about discovery, the guests are inspirational, and the precious insights shared guaranteed to be absolute gems. So there seems to be um a lot of talk nowadays about the why and about purpose and why you're doing something that you're doing. And um certainly I lost my why with my chocolate business and it took me several years to really get my essence back and, and to refine my why. So I am delighted to introduce you to Simon Alexander Ong, who is a life coach, motivational speaker, business strategist. Most recently, I saw him flash on Sky News. or well, not flash, but I mean, be on Sky News. Apologies there, listeners. So, Simon, I would love to, first of all, explore the sort of catalyst, the person, the place, the reason as to why you are doing what you're doing and the sort of chapters that you've had, you've gone through to get to be who you are today.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for the kind words, uh, Amelia, and uh, and, and the great introduction there. What I do today, I've not always done it. I began my career in the financial industry, probably at the worst time. It was 2007, summer. I just graduated from the London School of Economics. And I thought, well, I'm going to embark on a career in finance. And it wasn't like that was what I wanted to do. Uh, I remember when I grew up, my parents said to me, doesn't matter what you begin your career doing, as long as you're either a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. <laughs> so it was between those four choices, and I ended up uh, pursuing a career in banking. Even worse, the first company I decided to join was a company called Lehman Brothers. and uh, We know what happened to that company in September 2008. And so the financial crisis was part of the reason that got me thinking about what I really wanted to do. Uh, Up until that point, life was fairly linear. You know, it was do well at school, get good grades, get to the next position, get a good job, uh, build your income, buy a house, until these events started to happen. So it was a combination of a few events that really got me reflecting on what I wanted to do. Uh, The first was the passing away of my mum when I was 19. Uh, that matured me quite a lot. Uh, I learned a lot from that experience. Uh, and then it was the uh, the financial crisis. Uh, the key lesson from that was teaching me that, well, actually safety from working for someone isn't real safety because I've got no control over my destiny, over the direction of my career where things would develop into. But actually, if I focus on what I really wanted to do, on what brings me joy, what makes me excited of a morning if i focus on that the rewards will eventually come so it's really those two things uh, that act as a catalyst uh, to begin that exploration
1: and do you feel simon that um often finding one's why or purpose can be as a result of a loss. I mean, you talk about sadly losing your ma Mm. and also the job. Did that help guide you to find your purpose? It
0: it helped me in different ways, but I I would say less so on guiding me to the why, more so in taking action, uh, because the loss of uh, my mum at the time really brought home how fragile life is. Uh, There's a great quote, I don't, recall who said it, that says you have two lives, the second begins the moment, you appreciate you only have one. Mm. Uh, And that's what matured me overnight. It was really appreciating how short life is, that this isn't a rehearsal, this is only one shot we have at it. Um, And that experience taught me not to wait. Uh, Don't wait because that can be our greatest antidote to regret at the end of our life, but also set us on the path to fulfillment. So it's really what those two events did is it really pushed me towards taking action. Uh, Before that, it was always one day, uh, maybe I'll try this at some point. There was was always an interest, but there was no commitment. Uh, So I think that pushed me towards really exploring my curiosities. Um, And I think being curious and following through with what we're curious about, is one of the key ways to understand what our purpose can be.
1: And do you think uh, in our life, if we do have these chapters, that we have quite a few whys or purposes in our lifetime?
0: We can. I I mean, one of the things we have to appreciate is that the way I see it, a purpose isn't really a, a job per se. So it's not like my purpose is to be an actor or my purpose is to be a coach or a speaker. What I think purpose is, is something more softer. So if I give an example, uh, over the years I've found my purpose is to educate, to inspire, to help transform people uh, so they can live more fulfilling lives. Now that can manifest itself in different ways. It it, it can be done through my coaching, through speaking, through writing, through video. Uh, So that gives us the option to explore that in all all our capacity. So we're not limited by uh, exploring it in one way. But the beauty about life is it's an evolution. Uh, You know, you might try one thing, you enjoy it for a certain period. And then because you're very curious, you're very open-minded, suddenly you might discover another area that you're fascinated by. And I think it's to avoid the pressure of thinking, is this for me? Is this what I want to do long term? But just to follow our curiosities. And and it reminds me of Steve Jobs' famous Stanford University speech in which he talks about When he was at college, he was fascinated to explore calligraphy. He had no idea uh, where that would lead to. Would that lead to a job? Would that lead to a business idea? But he credits that class of learning calligraphy, typography, uh, into his design brain when he started Apple, when he started to understand the simplicity and the minimalism of how important design was to the user experience. And so you might not always know where these curiosities lead to in the moment, But simply following them could open up opportunities you may not have been aware of before.
1: And that, I think, is what's so exciting. It is that thing where I think... Any of us, if we'd pictured our lives, mm. we wouldn't have pictured them. I certainly never thought mine would be how it is, yeah. and you probably didn't with you. Mm. It's, it's that thing where you just think it's al- almost allowing yourself to trust in life, thinking, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to explore. I mean, podcast is a whole curiosity for me. If any of the listeners have got lost or disconnected from their why, what would you advise them to try and sort of explore and find their why or their sort of purpose again?
0: Sure. So it's a situation many of us can face where uh, we suddenly feel lost and we, we have these existential questions. You know, Is this what I want to do? Um, you know, Is this what I want to be? Am I happy? And usually this comes around the 30s to 40s in, in our age and hence the midlife crisis. For me, one of the keys to getting back on track is to slow down. Um, often the reason we don't have time to really evaluate and answer these most important questions because we get caught up in the business of the everyday, which is more endemic in cities. And so it's really stepping back and reflecting more. You know, one of the key tools I've embraced, which I think has helped me to keep on track and help me to be aware, is journaling. Uh, the simple act of writing pen to paper, what our thoughts are, reviewing the week, planning the week ahead. And the reason I say pen to paper and not on an iPad or not Mm. on a computer is doing it analog avoids distraction. You know, we do it away from the distraction of pings of notifications on our digital devices but simply blocking out some time just to put our thoughts onto paper. Because the reason I think most of us get overwhelmed or get stressed is we keep all our thinking in our head and we don't have a channel to express it, to articulate it. And we get so caught up in scenarios that may or may not happen And that's what tends to create stress mentally uh, and stops us from taking action.
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely suffer from that and it's, you know, I try and live in the moment I try and live in the now but it's that thing sometimes where your brain just takes on so much and it's it sort of massages it and it's like this computer going on overdrive and the, and the next day you just think, why? Why did I get so stressed about it when in fact mm. it was such a small thing? But I think also, I mean I've always been a writer although my teachers at school could never read my handwriting because it's so dire <laughs> and they refuse to mark it um, that's my excuse for poor grades but um, it is It's therapeutic, but also gives the eyes rest. I mean, it's mm. that constant thing where your senses are bombarded, either audio or, I mean, we're bombarding because we're doing audio, but it's the visual. I find the visual thing quite exhausting. Mm. So when you do do pen to paper, and as you say, other thoughts just come to mind. Do you, um, I mean, t- talking about social media, I think that a lot of us find um, that we can sort of question ourselves and question uh, possibly sort of self-doubt comes in in the way that you look at people and you think, flip, they've got such a perfect life even though you know they don't and they've got loads of likes, they've got loads of followers and you can sort of question your self-doubt. What do you suggest to um, the listeners and myself, ideas to sort of counteract that, to sort of neutralise this sort of Hmm. element of self-doubt?
0: I think at a higher level, if if we put social media aside for one moment, just at a higher level, what can cause self-doubt, overwhelm, or lack of confidence is a disease what I call comparisonitis. Mm. Uh, you know, if you go back before social media, society used to term that keeping up with the Joneses. Yes, absolutely. Now, social media today is keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. You look on social media, there's people holidaying in exotic places, they, they look like they've got great bodies, they're doing amazing work, they're having so much fun, they're getting so much engagement. But the time we spend looking, thinking, and analyzing how they're doing all that is time we can spend actually building our own profile, building our own brand. And the reason why that doubt creeps in is because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And that, I think, is unhealthy. Uh, I always tell my clients, tell audiences I speak with, is that the only person we should be comparing ourselves to is the person we were yesterday. Mm. And... If we are better than who we were yesterday on a continual basis, even if it's just by a tiny percent, that's the most important because it means we're making progress. So for me, it's also be aware that what people post on social media, it's rarely gonna be what's really going on. You know, If you've gone through uh, a tragic personal circumstance, if you're going through a bout of depression, if you're going through a period where things are not going great, I don't know anyone who's posting that. No, you're absolutely right. I don't know anyone right. who's going to be sharing that explicitly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas, it, you know, if you've just won a prize, if you've been featured somewhere, if you're speaking somewhere, if you're traveling somewhere for an amazing holiday, that's the first thing you're going to put onto your social media. Uh, and so I think the key is just to focus on your journey. Uh, it's to focus on how you can add value. And I think the value is the most important part uh, because, yes, people might have likes, people. People might have engagement. Do keep in mind as well. And I don't know if many people know this, but in social media and technology today, you can actually buy artificial likes. You yes. can buy artificial. That's comments. what I'm discovering, which yeah. I
1: just don't want to do. So if you see that I have a low count, it's because mm. I don't want to buy ten thousand people.
0: Totally. And and I think if if we look at it from that perspective, it's not great because those people won't engage with you those people won't really buy your stuff or follow your your project. You'd rather have a smaller number of people mm. that love what you do, yeah. that will listen to what you say, that will follow the work you're doing, that become part of your community, than lots of people, but only a tiny handful who actually care about the work you do. So really for me is to focus less on what others are doing and focus on what can you do today to move yourself one step forwards. What is in your control today Uh, that can move you closer to where and who you would like to be.
1: You are so motivated, I mean, or motivational with all your work, even just listening to you now, I could just sort of keep listening for hours and hours and absorbing it all. How do you, do you ever have a problem with your own motivation? I mean, do you ever have those days like I had yesterday where actually I couldn't get myself into gear at all? Mm. There was, there was just a sort of drought. And so I went out for a walk and, and sort of tried to open my mind again. But do you get those days where your motivation or your, it just sort of drops off?
0: I do. I would say less so than I used to when I started the journey. Uh, and I think it's probably more because of the practices and habits that I that I embrace. I mean, as an example, I've got a, a morning routine I have and, and that sets me up really well for the day. So beginning of every day, I'm, I'm in the gym, I'm, I'm working out, I'm running, I'm swimming or cycling. And if you're listening and you also go to the gym and you work out regularly, you'll be able to relate to the feeling that goes through your body and mind when you finish a good workout. Uh, I'm missing that. You (laughs) suddenly see things clearer. Whatever challenges come to you, you feel you're able to deal with it. So that's really helped. Uh, There is obviously days where I don't feel as motivated. Uh, And that's where adaptability is key, is understanding, okay, today accept what you're feeling because these are emotions, these are real. Accept how you're feeling in the moment and just adapt. Okay, given what I'm feeling at the moment, what's the best way for me to make use of my day so if for example i usually accomplish three big things a day on the day i'm not particularly motivated or the day i'm not feeling tip-top shape i might just say one thing what's one thing if it's just one thing today what can i do because even if it's less than what you usually do you're still keeping momentum
1: yeah, it is, it is keeping that momentum, isn't it? I miss the gym because I broke my toe. I actually feel now that I've probably broken a bit in my foot. But I used to go to the gym a lot, and that mm. really woke me up. And then all of a sudden, my foot broke my toe. And I haven't really been able to get back in the gym since. So um, I find different different mm. ways. But that that buzz that really sort of full-on exercise gives mm. you is incredible, especially first thing in the morning. It's, mm. it's a real weight now. Would you say that you're an optimist or a pessimist?
0: I would say an optimist, it's, it's probably a natural byproduct of the work I do. Uh, I've realised over the years that one of the greatest superpowers we have uh, is the ability to choose one thought over another at any given moment. I don't think people realise how powerful that gift is uh, because where stress comes from is not actually an event, it's our thinking about an event that creates stress. So if I use a simple example, if a car crashes into a lamppost, the lamppost doesn't get angry, the car doesn't get sad, uh, but the human mind needs to attach an emotion or a meaning in order for us to make sense of what just happened. But in that, we have power. How we choose to interpret it creates our reality. So... The same event for some people could be a problem, the same people for someone else could be an opportunity. The same event could be happy for some, it could be sad for others. But the meaning we choose for it then determines the action we take. And so if I choose a more positive way to view an event or look for a lesson in an event, then that lesson or that experience always becomes productive to me.
1: So, when, so to stop our brains sort of accelerating, getting out of control, massaging the stress, we need to nip it in the bud straight mm. off.
0: Yes, yeah, to raise our awareness. Uh, you know, if we can be more consciously aware in the moment, and that's where often, if we look at relationships, arguments tend to happen, is because we emotionally react in the moment. Yeah. Whereas if we just take a step back, we become aware of what just happened, and we can consciously choose our response, we actually have more power that way. We're deciding how to respond and what the best way to respond is rather than just getting caught up in the moment.
1: So you probably don't have um, that sort of self-talk, chatting away in your head that says, you know, that sort of harsh, sort of inner critic, or do you have that? And if you do have that, how do you just sort of, again, nip it in the bud?
0: We we all have it. We you know, that's why when people say he or she's talking to herself, that's us talking with our with our internal critic there. Uh, at a high level, the best way so you got, you got learn how to silence that critic and cultivate the guide within, because we all have a guide, uh, whether we want to call it intuition, gut feel, wisdom. But very often, we uh, we don't listen to it. Uh, and that's why for me, it's why meditation is great, why slowing down is great, spending time in nature, because it connects us more to that inner wisdom. Uh, and it's being able to trust that, trust that more, you know, often people say, you yeah, when well, I trust in my gut, when well, I trust my intuition, it all worked out. Uh, but, yeah, know, once I got my head involved, it was uh, yeah, all sorts of problems started arising.
1: Yeah, that's when the complexities start. Now, Simon and I um, were chatting with the dear producer, Chris, outside. And I can't remember the name of the recording guy. Again, I've forgotten. But anyway, the point is that we were chatting about whether um, business was a sprint or a marathon running a mm. business or life. And Simon had a very interesting Um, thought or comparison on mazes. So could you just share that element with the listeners?
0: So yeah, I was on a panel recently and we had a question talking about whether we thought life was more a sprint or a marathon. Uh, And after some debate with the panelists and we were just sort of sharing our views, we came to the conclusion that actually life and business, if you will, is more of a maze. The problem with thinking of life or business as a sprint or marathon is it assumes you're always moving forward. And that's not always the case. Uh, in life, sometimes you have to take a few steps backwards in order to take uh, steps forward. You might have to change, you might have to pivot. And it's that bravery and courage to do so uh, that allows us to see what our potential is. And it's like with a maze. when I mean, you go into a maze, you're not always gonna find the right way straight away. Uh, some routes will lead to a dead end, which is fine. But without the dead end, you would not have the wisdom in order to choose that next step. Uh, you know, like when I look back on my journey now and I've had my fair share of challenges, my fair share of setbacks, but I've always said I'm grateful for them because the hardest times in our life, the hardest times in our business can be the very thing we need to teach us the wisdom, the skills and the insights to build and create the better, the best times of our life.
1: What do you think your biggest challenge has been so far, either in your business or in life? I mean-
0: sure. So. The way I think about it is you'll never stop having challenges. Uh, as you grow uh, as an individual, as a business, the challenges just change. So as an example, when I made the transition from working in a company to starting my own business, the big challenge then was shifting my mindset. Mm. Because I had to shift my mindset from, well, if I wanted to, I can take a day off sick and I still get paid. Yeah. Uh, but when you're an entrepreneur, well, if you're not out there Building business, you're not going to get paid. So it's a very different mindset. So that's the first challenge. And then the next challenge was, well, I need clients. So it's how to get clients. And then as you grow, the challenges who do you hire? Are you hiring the right people? How do you diversify? How do you expand? So you're always going to have challenges. And I actually think challenges are necessary. Challenges are kind of like the universe's way of telling us it's time to level up. And it's what allows us to grow. Uh, otherwise, if we're if we're always comfortable, we're never learning, we're never growing. And eventually we, we fall behind as, as the world, as the environment, as things change.
1: Yeah, it would be, it would be extremely dull, I th- I, I think. <laughs> because, I mean, ultimately, we're all here to grow. Or that's how I've sort of made sense of my life is that I'm experiencing stuff. I'm getting out there. Some is good and some is bad. But it is that whole growth thing to, to make one a better person, a more empathetic person, um, what your industry, there are loads of people in it. Um, I, I feel that there are very few very good people. Mm. Um, but what is the greatest challenge in your industry today, would you say?
0: Sure. I think uh, I'll come back to my industry, but I think yeah. at a high level, business generally yeah. has never been more competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we if we look at business today compared to decades ago, it's never been easier to start. Anyone you know, you know, with a bit of smart can, can launch a business within 24 hours. You can register a domain, file yep. your company with w- whatever the regulatory body is. Uh, you can get social media up and running for zero cost. Uh, so it's never been easier to start. At the same time, uh, it's never been harder to be sustainably successful. That uh, is tough. Just because in every industry, including mine and uh, all the new industries that have started there is so much more choice than there has ever been so for me the challenge for business and also my industry has always come down to how do you differentiate yourself to others in the sense of what is your value premium over other competitors because if you don't know what your value differential is the only way you can differentiate yourself is by price and cost cutting is not a game you want to get into unless you want to be the warmer or the little audio of your industry, it's not, a, it's not a race you want to get into. But once you know what your value differential is, why people should invest a premium into what you do over your competitors, people will pay for that. You know, people will pay for it if they know that they can trust what you're going to deliver, the work you do and the quality that you bring.
1: It, I mean, I think a lot of it goes down to quality versus quantity, mm. certainly with my Um, chocolate business I really focused on quality Mm. and um, less for more really you don't if you if the person is really good at what they do you shouldn't need them the whole time it should just be a sort of top up or a a maintenance Mm. thing. So we're now talking about chocolate. We're now heading into our chocolate break. Now, this bar has to be the most popular bar of the show in this series, which is we're back on green and blacks, 85% dark chocolate.
0: Like the dark chocolate.
1: And so I'm going to open that up and pass it across to Simon to Tuck into. And then I'll just tell you a little fact about green and black. Uh, So the chocolate bar is made using the Trinitario cocoa bean, which there are three cocoa beans. And the Trinitario is a mix between the Criola and the Forestero bean. And the Trinitario bean originated in Trinidad. And it gives it a very spicy, earthy flavour. So Simon, quickly, why did you pick this chocolate bar as your chocolate
0: of choice? Busy eating there at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah I know there's no time to eat we, we run but, out uh, of time.
0: It's, it's because my wife and I we've, we've always had green and black chocolate uh, and also I had the uh, opportunity to hear in person years ago Joe Fairley's story yes, of how brilliant. she started um, and, and that just got me more connected to the brand and um, and, and, and the chocolate there. So it's partly out of habit and partly out of the fact that I've got a greater understanding of the story of uh, of Green and Blacks.
1: It's really good. I have some tucked away in my, cho- in my um, cupboard. I find it really good after a meal, it's sort of digestive thing. Or if you're going to a meeting and you need your head cleared, and no time for coffee, if you just take a slug of 85%, mm. you're, you're on it. Your brain <laughs> works. Um, sorry, I'm still finishing my chocolate which is not great so I need to ask another question. With um, the word entrepreneur I would love to know or we would love to know what that word means to you and also do you think that entrepreneurs are non-conformists that, that they're people who are always going to question things?
0: With the term entrepreneur I'd like to if I may mm-hmm. split that into two definitions so I think and it's partly going back to what we were saying earlier about social media and comparisonitis, is that today I think we're in an age where we have, yes, we got entrepreneurs, and I'll mention what that definition is in a second, but we also have entrepreneurs. Yeah. Because we're in this age where everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, everyone wants to start their own business, everyone wants to be uh, an influencer, if you will, on social media. Uh and, and so we get this idea of entrepreneurs, people that want the rewards that come with entrepreneurship, they want the lifestyle but they don't put the hard work in, they don't take the risks, they don't know what it really takes to build a business. Whereas for me, entrepreneurship is truly about understanding how you can add value uh, to the demographic or the people you want to serve in a way because you have the ability to spot opportunities and the appetite for risk, which most people won't have. So that for me is kind of the, the purest definition of entrepreneurship.
1: I mean, everybody, as you say, that every a small business owner is now an entrepreneur, which is absolutely, it's just not the same thing. Mm. I think there are very few entrepreneurs. I mean, I've been labeled as an entrepreneur. I still don't see that. I'm more, I suppose I'm a pioneer and I have that urge where I just need mm. to do something. I mean, it's, just, it's even after finishing my business, I suppose I could have got, a, as my father would say, a proper job. Mm. But I couldn't, because that's just not who I am. That's not the mm-hmm. essence.
0: Tony, totally. it kind of reminds me of my journey a little bit, Amelia, because I, I at the time it was very challenging because when you are made redundant, uh, you're out of a job, and I was out of multiple jobs for whatever reason. But I look back now and I joke that maybe it was the universe's sign, telling me I wasn't meant to be employed. Uh, you know, failing my second year of university at the London School of Economics, in which I had to reset. You've starting, been
1: back to talk there, though. I've been back you, to talk there, funny. which is really funny. It's come around full circle.
0: yeah. Uh, and then starting at Lehman Brothers, which went bankrupt uh, uh, a year after, and then moving to the next company in which that that desk I was on didn't work out. Uh, so you could joke maybe I was a bad omen for the companies I joined, uh, or that uh, I, I simply wasn't meant to be an employee.
1: Did that knock your confidence, though, at the time? I think
0: if it was in any other time maybe in the sense that if I was starting earlier in that career maybe but because I had experienced this early on uh, you know my first job I was out of a I was out of a job in 10 months I didn't have anything to compare it to uh, so that for me was it, it felt like I, you know, I got time to get used to it uh, I had Lehman Brothers I went to the next company I was out the next company I was out so I already had a couple of experiences under my belt and it was actually those times where I was out when I did take the steps back that uh, I'm actually grateful for them because, again, it got me the time to do that self-discovery, uh, to really explore, you know, is this what I want to do? Because it doesn't feel stable. And it feels there's always someone or something outside of my control that is influencing where, where I'm heading towards.
1: Mm. What did your dad think about all this stuff? Sorry, dad, I'm made redundant. <laughs> or, sorry, dad, I haven't succeeded at LSE or whatever it is. Yeah, so he was
0: very supportive uh, when I sort of uh, had to reset LSE, which was fantastic. Uh, So it was very fortunate for me that when I was out of my second to last corporate job, uh, I took the decision not to tell him, actually, uh, because I, I knew what my... Parents were typically like, you know, very traditional Chinese parents, you know, sort of very much focused on academia, sort of uh, being in these four jobs I mentioned earlier.
1: Were you born uh, in China or were you born over here? I was born here in the UK. Here, yeah. uh,
0: so I had that mix of Western culture and then sort of an Asian background. Uh, and I knew that if I told him, uh, I would get a lot of pressure to go and get a, or find another job. Uh, so I decided not to tell him. I didn't really share much of it, uh, apart from my brother, who was also living close to me. Um, and and my girlfriend at, at, at the time. And so I just decided to dip my toes into it, explore it, and it was only once I felt I started to get a bit of momentum, a bit of traction, uh, that I then shared it on a Skype call with my dad. And it was really funny because I was thinking to myself, I'm glad I didn't share it before now because uh, the first words he said to me was like, uh, so you're being a coach. Uh, I, I didn't remember you being good at sport. Yeah, well... <laughs> What sort of coaching, are you don't you have to get qualifications to, to, to coach a football team or sports team? Uh, I remember saying to him, no, 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 it's not that sort of coaching. Uh, it's more personal coaching, it's more sort of uh, uh, life coaching. Think of it as being the personal trainers of someone's mind. And Until I remember a few years later, uh, you know, I was doing video, I was doing YouTube, I had a lot more images of the work I was doing and features, and I remember that was the time he joined Facebook. And uh, the moment I saw, he started sharing those posts uh, and, and sharing WhatsApp groups with family. I you thought, yeah, he, he's got it. He's he, got he, it. He now knows the work I'm doing, uh, and, and and I knew he was uh, he was appreciative of uh, that decision. Though,
1: how long have you been a life coach for? Uh,
0: I would say officially since 2014 okay. uh, I was starting to make the transition probably from 2012 uh, so yeah I was so I was probably say 2012 but officially from 2014 so he started off just doing one-to-one mm-hmm. uh, and then I remember I got an invitation from one of my clients saying I oh, you know I think you should speak at Barclays uh, <laughs> I think they would benefit from the work you're doing and from there the speaking organically grew and and then all the, all the other things I now do sort of just just built from there
1: it's, life coaching is incredible. My, the first life coach I went to, I was living in Essex where my parents come from. And it was years ago, in my 30s, so probably 20 years ago. And it was really odd to say you were seeing a life coach. They're like, well, who could coach you on life? She was, she was a very sweet lady. But there was a pivotal life coach. Her name was Mary, who um, really helped propel me into setting up my own business. And I, for all the lovely listeners out there, if you haven't, experienced life coach it's the most incredible thing it's something Mm -hmm. that really if you're lost with tapping your essence it can it can just sort of propel you I mean it propelled me through a series of events through a split up and master chef and stuff like that Mm. to to do my chocolate business and although I'm not doing it anymore and I did lose my why at the end it was the most phenomenal experience Mm. and it showed me who I really was sometimes quite brutally sometimes <laughs> i was like oh, i don't think i really like that side of my personality but you know it's good anyway back to you back to you so um what are your um thoughts on the word success
0: mm. my thoughts on the word success is it's so often been misunderstood uh, you, you know i've seen it myself growing up i've seen it in terms of how we view success in media in terms of personalities is often and we still do today is we think success is in getting something something for ourselves. I think what we forget is success is not a destination uh, and, and we can we can get seduced to thinking it is. Uh, you know when I get that paywise, when I get that title, when mm-hmm. I become CEO, uh, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, And a great example of that is if you look at uh, Hollywood, if you look at some of these industries in which you do have very well-paid men and women, what you realize is that if success was a destination, everyone in those industries would be happy. But you've seen people lose money. You've seen people uh, do suicide. You've seen people uh, who go off the rails. Uh, So for me... It's not a destination. And that's because very often when we see success as a destination, when we get there, what next? Yeah, we We often get complacent. We take our foot off the pedal and we forgot how we got there and the work we put in to get there. So for me, success is more how we show up every day. And so if you show up every day, you do your best, you move forward, you're progressing, you're adding value to people's lives... That, for me, is success. If you're consistently doing that, then you set yourself up to win again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you see it as a destination, you're only setting yourself up to win once. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why, for me, it's less about the goals. Goals are great, and goals are great as sort of milestones. But for me, it's really focusing on your systems. What are the systems you're creating that will make success inevitable?
1: So, from success leading to the word failure, mm. what does the word mean to you?
0: For me, it's uh, it's an essential part of the success journey. Uh, I used to think, and, and, and maybe you as listeners do as well, is that failure and success were opposites. You're either succeeding or you're failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've realized over the years is that without failure, without risking failing at something you never actually experience true success. Uh, because whenever you do something new, by its very nature, you are going to fail. Yeah, Because no new path has an instruction manual of how to go through it, how to succeed on that path. So if something happens to you unexpectedly or you don't get what you were thinking you were going to get, perhaps a better question to ask instead of seeing it as a failure is what is this teaching me? What is the lesson here? What else could this mean? You can either let the failure define you or you can use it as a catalyst to move on to something greater.
1: How amazing. I mean, they are real pearls of wisdom that we can all um, learn from so onto the well-being side which is crucial I have to say that Simon looks extremely well and he looks very sort of calm with with life but how does how and where does stress affect you if it does
0: mm. Just looping back to what I said earlier I think stress mainly comes from our thinking of an event mm-hmm. uh, when we get caught up in an event, when we when we enlarge an event to be mm-hmm. bigger than it actually is, that for me is how stress gets created. Uh, so in terms of our well-being, I think it's really focused more on the present. Mm-hmm. There's a great saying that goes, if you are living in the past, you're depressed. Mm-hmm. If you're living in the future, you're anxious. Mm-hmm. Very few of us live in the moment, mm-hmm. live in the present. So the more we focus on the present moment and raise our awareness and be mindful, Actually, we realize we've got everything we need in that moment by trusting ourselves. We focus on the moment and we're able to see what we need and what the best way forward is without being attached to what may happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going back to goals, often we can get caught up by being too attached to outcomes. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things I've embraced a lot more is be less attached to outcomes and be open to everything. Have that Ability to be open in any given moment and to understand.
1: Do you have a daily ritual that is part of your um, sort of self care as such?
0: Mm. So I would classify exercise in the morning as self care. Mm -hmm. Other activities I would also include in that is sufficient sleep. Uh, And so, sufficient sleep, sufficient rest is important. I do daily meditation where possible. There's some days where obviously I can't, uh, but when I do, I I use an app called Calm, Mm -hmm. which I think is fantastic for that, and journaling. I I use uh, a bullet journal. Uh, You may have uh, heard of the concept bullet journaling. So I bullet journal each day, which allows me time to reflect on the day, uh, review the lessons, and plan for the day ahead. Um, And I think that planning for the day ahead is such an important self-care ritual, actually, because if we don't plan for the day ahead, we can often get caught up in, in what the day will bring. But if we plan the day ahead, we wake up in the morning, we've got focus. We know what's most important to accomplish. Um, if not, the day will run us.
1: Do you? So would you say that you sleep pretty well?
0: At the moment. Yeah. Ask me again in a couple of months yeah, after <laughs> uh, we've had our little, first shot, it might be different. <laughs> once your little
1: baby pops out, you may you may be struggling on that. Where is your favourite hideaway for you and your wife to go to where you just switch off and kick back and feel amazing?
0: I would typically... Uh, you know, if, uh, I would say the old meme would have said somewhere remote. Uh, you know, when we were in...
1: How long have you been married for?
0: We met... Uh, we go back quite a while. We met in 2006. We officially started dating in 2007 and we were married in 2015. Oh, okay. So the old me would have said somewhere like Bali would be fantastic. Yes. Uh, we were there a few years ago in Ubud. But now I think we are both in a position, I think what's great is we, my wife and I are both into personal development, personal growth, is the beauty is now we can create that same feeling anywhere we are. So in our home, in the study we have, we're quite fortunate that we, when we look out of our study, we've got one side that has a park
1: Beautiful. Uh,
0: and, and the other side that has sort of a river.
1: Oh, wow! Uh,
0: so inside the study, uh, it's fairly quiet because of that setup. But we have some great uh, playlists we have on Spotify. I was going to say, that, if you uh, have
1: a song that you'd like to recommend <laughs> to the listener or a book as well,
0: uh, I'll, I'll come to the book okay. and, and, and the song, but uh, yep. but yeah. So we we have this Spotify playlist. It creates a great ambiance, and I'm a big fan of design. By understanding that, you can artificially create that. Do that you do feng shui there. as well? I, I'm not. Explicitly into feng shui right. I may look at it from time to time if I kind of think should I have this here should I have that there I might sort of peek onto Google uh, I but- used to
1: do that for my love corner <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to put pairs in but I could never work out which my love corner was so that, there you go um, so that really is your hideaway then
0: yeah so um, I mean we're, we're, like I said we're very fortunate we can kind of create that when we need to So even when we're travelling and when a hotel uh, we're like great let's dim the lights let's put some nice music on
1: so a book And a song or a book or a song for our lovely listeners?
0: Sure. For song, I would say uh, have a look at my Spotify playlist. You can just Google Simon Alexander on Spotify and any song from there I I think would be great to uh, help you get focused, to to re-energize you. In terms of book, uh, uh, I would say one that had a big influence on my journey early on was David Schwartz's The Magic of Thinking Big. It's a classic uh, and uh, I, f- I still use it as a reference today. I
1: haven't read that, so I must get reading. <laughs> How brilliant. Um, just very quickly, I know the producer has said only a few minutes, but too bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can you remember a time when you've had to have... Because my granny's okay K-Hope and Patience. So can you remember a time when you've had to have bucket loads of hope?
0: Yes. Uh, so when I made the transition from uh, corporate to what I do now... Uh, and there's a, there's a sort of a saying that comes to mind as I'm about to share this is that the best laid plans never never always work out and so I got to a point where I couldn't balance building my coaching and having a full-time job which mm-hmm. was a great position to be in mm-hmm. so I had to make a choice and I chose okay I'm going to resign uh, and I resigned I came out and I had these clients but for whatever reason a few months down the line some of them had to postponed, some of them moved abroad. And so actually, I was back to ground zero. Mm-hmm. But in this time, I had zero income. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when I had to trust in myself, have hope for the future deep deep. and focus on the process. Uh, that experience helped to build resilience in me. Uh, it also helped me to understand the power of persistence uh, and the fact that when we focus on the process, the rewards will come. And it was, it was about three or four months when I literally had no income. Uh, so I was fortunate I I had savings I sort of built that up Uh, but I think that was the moment when I had to have hope when I had to trust that if I keep doing what I was doing if I keep getting myself out there things will eventually turn around
1: it'd be okay so um I read um, about a lovely analogy uh, this week, which was a a guy called Brian Robinson on Thrive Global. And um, he compared, he was talking about the enjoyment of waiting. And he said, it's like an egg waiting to hatch, which I really enjoy. What springs to mind when you think of your business and the need for patience?
0: Patience is critical. I I think patience is very important. We... Overestimate what we can accomplish in a year. You know, if I look at my journey, which is nearly a, a decade journey since since I first got the qualification in 2012, I started studying coaching qualifications in 2012. So it's coming up to a 10 year journey. I would have no idea I would be where I was today back then, but it also shows me that most people give up too soon. Mm-hmm. Most people give up too soon, and what they don't realize is that. The longer you persist, assuming this is something you're passionate about, something Mm -hmm. you really want to work towards, the more you keep going, the easier it becomes, because every day you keep going, there'll be thousands, if not millions around the world giving up and going home. So the competition gets less, the more you keep going. So true. Uh, And it's equivalent of someone saying, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to get fitter this year. And they go to the gym for three months. And they look in the mirror and they say, this isn't worth it. I haven't got my six pack yet. I'm still looking the same. But what they don't realize, and I remember reading this in in a men's health magazine once, is that the average person to get to where they want to get to health-wise takes on average 18 to 24 months of consistent eating well, training, and living a healthy lifestyle. I don't know many people who would knowing that would go, okay, I'm going to give 24 months where I go regularly exercise and eat well. Uh, So it's that consistency and patience that you're not going to get to where you you want to, you don't want to get to overnight. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) So um, Simon, where can our listeners find you? You've got your website, simonalexanderong.com.
0: Yep. So you can go to the website there. Uh, If you use social media, you can also follow and engage with me on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter and Facebook.
1: So I would like to say the hugest of thank you, Simon. You have been just a real treat to have on the show. I have been looking forward to this moment for some time and I have I know that I'm going to have a whole load of questions in my head thinking, oh no, I should have asked this, that and the other. But I, I think I can say for all of us, the listeners and myself, that you have shared so many precious insights with us, all fuel for our tanks to keep on going. So um, thank you so, so much.
0: My pleasure, and Thank you for having me. And if you do, as a listener, have any other questions after you've digested what we've spoken about... Do feel free to reach out and uh, follow up with me directly if you have other questions you'd like me to help you with.
1: How wonderful. Um, the book for the uh, this show that I'd like to recommend really ties into Simon, although we never got onto the topic or we sort of discussed the why, is Ikigai, The Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life by Hector Garcia and Francesc Morales. Um, a little quote from there is, flow is mysterious. It's like a muscle. The more you train it, the more you flow, and the closer you will be to your ikigai. The quote, though, for the show is, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, so I apologize if I'm not, nana karobi ya oki, which means fall seven times, rise eight. And it's a Japanese mm. proverb. So thank you so much for tuning into the show this week. I'll be back with another story soon. So make sure you subscribe to get the latest episode. And if you like what you hear, it would be such a treat for you to give us a positive rating. Subscribe and please do spread the word to anyone you think would get some precious gem from the show. I'd also love to know what you'd like to hear more of, less of, and importantly to none of. So please let me know as the show is here for you. So until next time, keep your sparkle and bye.
0: Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope. Join the conversation at hopeandpatience.co.uk or find Amelia on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Hope and Pat.